Hey guys, so uh, Iowa lays a holy biblical smackdown on the Illini and all of the sins of 2018 are forgiven, right? <laughs> it was worse in person than it looked on TV, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Let, let's get to, let's beat Nebraska before we start absolving everybody's uh, sins. Okay, alright, well welcome to 12 Saturdays podcast post-Illinois pre-Black Friday. I'm James Bladel and with me as always, Tori Brecht and... Bill Delahant. Hey, Tori, you were there uh, on the ground at the Chief Illinois Memorial Experimental Wind Tunnel. Uh, give us, give us your take on the game. Tell us what was the atmosphere like there. It looked like the crowd was empty after maybe the second half of the second quarter. Well, I actually wrote my whole column this week on how just it was actually sad. Like even so sad that I didn't even derive that much joy out of seeing the opposing team's misery, which is generally, I mean, let's all be honest. That's one of the things we love about sports, right? Is to revel in your opponent's misery, especially if they're a rival. Uh, but to hear the, the lamentations of their women, right? Exactly. But <laughs> like every Illini fan that we saw, like they didn't boo. They didn't cheer. They just kind of sat there with like thousand yard stares and out and then at one point we were asking each other like outside of being like a parent of one of the players i don't even know why you'd go it, it was spooky almost just so like morgue like it the, was it was god awful the ptsd of being an illini football fan just waiting for basketball to come and rescue you yeah. I mean, and it's not even like Kansas where they're, you know, a for sure top five basketball team either. They're just good at basketball. They're not great. So I don't know. Champaign-Urbana is just uh, it, that, what it was sad to me, like even going out to dinner, we went to lunch beforehand. And it's just like, you know, when you're in Iowa City and you can just feel, you know, it's oh, it's game day. Yeah. I mean, and it doesn't even matter if it's a great season, a bad season. I mean, there's a little variable in there, but you still know. It's game day. This is a big deal. There's a Big Ten football happening in this town today. There's a palpable sense of excitement and interest in it. Champagne, you might as well have been in Galesburg or Freeport. I mean, it just didn't matter. Well, it's such, it's such a scenic and beautiful drive getting down there, too. So uh, <laughs> I think there's four exits between, uh, between Galesburg and Champaign-Urbana, and one of them's Peoria. Um, hey, so, Bill, you know, Iowa offense racks up some just gaudy statistics plus we had a special teams touchdown and a defensive touchdown and then of course the defense you know gets the shutout um <laughs> it's who is this team <laughs> are we good uh, did we blow all of our points that we're going to need this week where were some of these tds the last four weeks when we were losing by two points search me i got nothing one of the uh guys that we email with brian crooks i'll give him a shout out said that uh, this was the most Iowa way to get to 63 points ever because I think we we had less than like 400 yards total offense, which, yeah, Stanley had 178 and Sargent had 121 rushing and then, you know, a couple yards here and there. So I, it wasn't that much of an offensive explosion, but, I mean, when we're getting the ball on our on their 15, 20-yard line, you know, there's not many yards you can ring up either, so... Search me. I got nothing, but I, it was great to get back to that. Well, two thoughts, uh, Bill, and one of them, you know, I you hit the nail on the head with the field position thing. I saw that the Illini only crossed into Iowa's territory one time, 
and then promptly turned it over. So, you know, Iowa had a lot of short fields all day, so they really didn't. I mean, I think if they'd have had to start at the 10, they would have been able to put together a 90-yard drive anytime they wanted to. It was that much of a mismatch for most of the day. As to the, you know, where did it come from, I, I, I'm starting to buy into my theory that I've espoused the last couple of weeks, which is, you know, I feel like this team doesn't deal well on the big stage and with a lot of pressure. You know, when they go out there and there's not, you know, there's not a Big Ten title riding on the line, there's not a whole lot going on, you know, it's just pure football, they play loose and they play good. And you saw it, every single phase was, you know, pretty much running on all cylinders Saturday, which is, I mean, it's a credit to them, I guess, to an extent, but, you know, come on, I want to see it in a big time primetime game sometime. Yeah. Yeah, Soon. so they only they only win they only know how to win either by a, just a just a merciless blowout or lose by a squeaker. It's like there's no in between with this team, and that's I think this season. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Bill, the, you said you said something about Nate's uh, stats, and so I looked it up. Uh, Northwestern he passed for 269 yards, and Purdue 275. And you're saying he was 174, and he had how many touchdowns? Four. Yeah. 178 30? yards, three TDs, one INT. Yeah. 13 so of 21. He passed for at least 550, call it 550 yards in uh, the last two games with two touchdowns. <laughs> so, I was told there would be no math, but I'll, I'll take your word for it's it. It's crazy. It's just hot and cold and, you know, racking up the yards, but not the points. And then this time it's like, like Tori was saying, it's like, well, it helps, too, when you're getting such a, a short field. Um, and I guess we could call it the uh, the uh, A.J. Epinesa coming out party because this, I mean, wow, what a game. Um, I think I saw his stat Unblockable. Un- unblockable yeah. by the Illini. Illini. They, they had no answer. He had like a force fumble, strip, uh, score. He blocked a punt, right? It was his arm that got in mm-hmm. there and blocked a punt. And then he had, I think, Six tackles for loss and two sacks. One and a half sacks? Sack and a half. Yeah. So a pass breakup. <laughs> I mean, he was he 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 was hitting from on all cylinders. I mean, he gets more consistent in the run game and he's gonna be an all American. Is that That's why he only to. plays on passing downs, or is it just like a an abundance of riches where Ferentz just wants Parker Hesse out there as much as possible because of the experience or I thought I'd seen it explained that way that maybe he wasn't taking the greatest angles on run plays early in the season. And, you know, again, Parker Hesse is just, you know, that experienced and, and good in that part of the game. So, well, and I know, I know the coach took a ration of crap for his specialist comment in relation to Fant last week, but you know, there, there are specialists in football sometimes and having a guy that you can put in an obvious pass downs and he's not worn out from chasing running backs around all day, can just go full bore and murder a quarterback, that, that is a valuable guy to have on your team. Absolutely. No, A.J. Epinesa is, definitely fits the specialist uh, descriptor there. That, I, I don't have a problem calling him one. He's, he's going to be that guy, too. He's going to be that all you know, well-rounded um, probably next year. Uh, well, I mean, there's just so many superlatives piling up. I mean, even Kyle had his, uh, his punt return, which we knew he's been, you know, he's been getting close with some of his returns. And as Tori can, uh, uh, 
you know, confirm. I like to bring out my South Park voice whenever he gets the ball and screams. So I was doing screaming <laughs> that at the TV the whole time. So uh, how's that go, Jim? He said, "Come on, cow, run it back, cow, and the ball, cow, come on, cow, don't fumble this time, don't, cow, don't cough it up, cow, don't fear catch on the three, cow." <laughs> you guys are way better at that than I thought you would be. <laughs> I've never Lots heard you guys practice. do that. Well, we're usually pretty lit up when we do it, so it's even better in the in the stands when you can scream it. But, uh, but yeah. Speaking of lit up, it's about time to toast. What uh, what are y'all drinking tonight? Uh, I've got a uh, Lafroy going on. Uh, for those of you out there not following the script, Tori. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm a rebel, Dottie. Oh, I am. I'm doing one of the last of the. I don't know something from Three Floyds. I can't remember if it's a Gumball Head or uh, Alpha King. Um, it's uh, something. I, I didn't look. I just pour and drink. When it comes to Three Floyds, it's like you can't go wrong. <laughs> well, I'm having another junior high drink. I still had some uh, leftover Jim Beam Maple, which is a great antifreeze. Uh, <laughs> At these cold games so it's been my go-to flask choice the last two weeks and so i still have a little bit left in the bottle so uh, it's a little rough to drink just straight up so i'm mixing it with a uh, diet coke so yeah. that stuff is so good bill tory brought some of that to the um uh, northwestern game when it was cold and i had a sip of it and i'm like man i want to put this on pancakes that stuff is so good it's Jim Beam maple, so it tastes yes. like maple syrup too. Yeah. It tastes like it's like, it like drinking a jar of Aunt Jemima. Aunt Jemima syrup, only it gets you drunk with scotch, <laughs> with like yeah. It's it sounds, and then when you drink it, you're like, oh yeah, I get it now. <laughs> it's really um, so right. I've got some little airplane sized bottles, um, which I of course will not bring into Kinnick because that's prohibited. It is prohibited, and, and, you know, of course, my flask never makes it into the stadium either. No, I declare that. it says right there on a sign, don't bring a flask or or booze into the game. I know, and that's what I tell the people in yellow. I say, here, would you hold this for me um, in your trash can until I come back? (laughs) So... Um, but, uh, but yeah, that is really good. And, and I think the fireball obviously is really good, but it's not supposed to be quite that cold, but when we get to the Nebraska game, we can, when our breakdown, we can discuss the weather. Um, but yeah, let's toast this one and let's talk about a couple of other bits of news, uh, from this week. So, Bill, um, you were kind of helping explain to me cause I kind of lost track of all the milestones. This was Ferentz's 150th career win but at or, Iowa yes at at Iowa or overall at Iowa yes okay and then okay and so then last earlier in the season was his 143rd at Iowa so he became he passed Hayden Fry to be Iowa's 144th he passed Hayden Fry the Boston College win he tied Hayden Fry okay so look I don't want to be that guy but here i go um <laughs> i think i think it's great i mean obviously i think at one point they put up a graphic on the game which you probably didn't see tori it compared like number of coaches since 1979 and it showed like you know hayden fry kirk ferrets and then it showed like the laundry list of people who've been in and out of the revolving door at illinois um and i think the message there was you know tenure and longevity has its benefits and you know and they put that list up when it was like 59 to nothing and they were running out of things to talk about. 
Um, but um, but still, I mean, when you when you mention Ference, and I think deservedly so, in the same breath as Bo Schembechler and Woody Hayes and you know all that stuff, and now they're talking, you know, they're making comparisons to Amos Alonso Stag, and now we're really diving into the archives and and, I, and Joe Paterno, and that rounds out the top five. Yeah, Big okay. Ten history. So, but is that fair? I mean, because and and here's what I'm getting at is, um, how many seasons did it take, you know, like Woody and Bo to get to that, and then Amos Alonzo Stag was there forever. But, but also the Big Ten was like what eight games a year then nine if you went to the Rose Bowl, that's it, right? Right. Yeah, they also only had it. two teams that ever won. Yeah. I mean, it's a totally it's an apples to oranges comparison. Exactly. I mean, when you have you're the Ohio State coach, the only game that you're ever going to be challenged in for 50 years is when you play Michigan once a year. So, I mean, as we've noted, when Hayden Fry was coaching Iowa, Wisconsin was a layup. Northwestern was a layup. Minnesota was a layup. Indiana was a layup. I mean, none of those games are layups anymore. It's a it's a different conference. It's a it's a all of college football has become much more parody driven than it's ever been in the past so you know being able to you know put a winning record together almost every season playing in the big 10 putting together two undefeated big 10 seasons um yeah i mean i i think the accolades are well deserved and the joke earlier of course was you know that uh, we have to keep noting these milestones because otherwise these eight and four seven and five seasons all start to kind of look alike uh but uh, but anyway, it's a good it's a good um, it's a good milestone to point out, and let's hope that uh, let's hope that he gets to uh, even more wins next year. But we've got a couple more in, in front of us, so uh, let's hit 165 next year. 165? Yeah, I'm down for that. Sure. But yeah, speaking of uh, accolades, did you guys see that T.J. Hawkinson is a finalist for the Mackey Award? I did, and. Hawkinson, how does that work, Bill? Because Hawkinson and Fant were both finalists last week. They were semi-finalists, and now they've narrowed it to three. Hawkinson is one of the threes, and Fant did not make that cut. Mm, that's got to sting. We briefly brought up Fant earlier in when we were talking about the specialist thing, and I kind of wanted to wait until now. Do you guys think that him just being MIA for three weeks uh, impacted him not being a finalist? Definitely. Yeah, I mean, but the other thing is the guy, the tight end that has the most receptions and the most yards is the Texas A&M guy. I I can't think of his name right now. But uh, apparently, whoever the selection folks for the uh, Mackey Award are must really take into consideration that, uh, quote unquote, you know, full service tight end. In in other words, the, the blocking aspect and the passing aspect. Uh, because I think the three guys that are finalists are all of your more traditional uh, do-it-all kind of tight ends, whereas Fant is the dreaded S-word that we heard last week. I will say, as far as that specialist thing, and I wanted to bring this up earlier, um, on Hawkinson's uh, long touchdown reception, uh, Fant kind of made that play happen. He was blocking his guy, and his guy kind of pushed him all the way back to Stanley, but... Fant held his block, and if you guys read The Athletic this week, Docterman has gifts of all the touchdowns um, Stanley threw, and, and it's kind of a thing of beauty. So 
Well, see, there you go. Chance. Ference is a genius. He, he got him to actually block by the end of the year. I mean, sure, it cost us a couple wins, but by God, it was worth it. You're well, going to block, Noah. I don't care if we lose to Northwestern. I'm going to outstubborn you, young man. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it is. And again, it's, it was such a mismatch. It was so obvious uh, against Illinois. And, and you, would have, you would have assumed you would have seen some of that against Northwestern's depleted secondary as well. It just can't happen when he's on the bench but yeah Hawkinson is uh just a sophomore right Bill so he's he is but some of the people on Hawkeye Report are claiming that you know people who know people are saying that if Hawkinson uh grades out at a first or second round pick he would consider going to the NFL after this year can he I believe he can okay then we could lose them both and we'd be down to what Nate Whiting weeding Weeding, Drew Cook, who who I've been secretly rooting for forever, him being Marv Cook's son, and and I, oh, Bayer, yeah. of course, yeah, Bayer of uh, touching the punt at Wisconsin, fame. Uh, well, you know, let's hope that uh, uh, let's hope that one or both of them stick around for their junior slash senior year, especially for uh, Hawkinson. I mean, he's just had a, a monster season, so pretty much what we expected out of Fant this year. Pretty much, yeah. Do you guys think Fant is back in Coach's good graces and we'll see him light it up against the home team on Friday? You know, I would hope that they leave no bullets in the chamber against Nebraska on Senior Day. It's the last uh, game of the season. You're still fighting to get into as good of a bowl as you can get. You're still fighting to improve year over year uh, rather than staying stagnant. Um, So, you know, I expect it to be you know, foot to the pedal, um, you know, which, uh, you know, I'm not saying it wasn't foot to the pedal in some of the other games, but sometimes it didn't feel like it. I don't think it was at all against Northwestern. I don't know what that game plan was, but yeah, it seems like uh, the Nebraska AD's comments about having to evaluate where Iowa was after the 2014 loss to them. I think that really stuck in Kirk's cross. So uh, same here. I, I expect them to come out and and you know shoot for half a hundred at least. I agree with both you guys. That comment um, at the end of uh, 2014, I, you know, the stubbornness of Kirk Ferentz I think works in our favor on this one, and I think he wants <laughs> to continuously pound them as just as humiliate them as much as possible, just to kind of demonstrate, uh, you know, where Iowa is as a program. <laughs> Yes. Well, and, and you guys heard uh, the comments Drake Kulik and Tyler Kluver made on the Washed Up Walk-Ons podcast. Uh, the, I think it was like their second episode. Like when we yeah. get up, you know, say it was whatever it was, like 35-17. And then, you know, 150-0. Yeah, it felt like we were up <laughs> 75 ball. And I'm just standing up on the benches, throwing up the bones to the entire stadium. <laughs> because they are seriously the worst program I've ever seen. Like, they're so soft. Their players are soft, such pussies. Soft. It's like they're such a pathetic excuse for a football team. Like, for, you know, a, a bunch of, like, grown men. Like, they think they're grown. They think that they're meant to be something, and then they come out and put that pro- that that product out on the field, and we just drag their ass up and down the field for four quarters and just let them know that they aren't shit. And then I get to look into the stadium, throw up the X's for – who they think are the black shirts, but these fans and these players don't know shit about the black shirts and what it actually meant <laughs> to be a tough physical football player. And I get to remind them of that when it's 55 to 17 on the.
fucking scoreboard, there is nothing that I cherish more. I relish. <laughs> that stuff coming out of guys in the program, it doesn't come out of a vacuum. <laughs> I think that comes from leadership. I just don't think there's a lot of respect for Northwestern. Or I'm sorry. I don't think there's a lot of respect for Nebraska football um, in the Iowa football building. You confused uh, Northwestern and Nebraska because one is NU and one should be UN. <laughs> and one actually sort of wins and beats us and goes to Indianapolis, and the other one is a joke. So I saw there somebody on Hawkeye Report today just threw up a stat that Iowa I can't remember the time frame, but it was like twenty-five and seven against the spread at home when favored by seven or more. And six of those seven are Northwestern when they didn't. Oh, gosh. That is just... Is that not insane? Maddening. Now, part of that is Northwestern, unfortunately, being devalued by the betting public because of how long they were bad. People don't like the conversation you guys and I have had a couple times this year. I think they do get... uh, you know, are on the wrong end of spreads often based on reputation alone, but still <laughs> it was not pretty. Oh, I hate Northwestern and I hate Pat Fitzgerald. I, you, you guys, you, you see, you're, you're with me now, right? I mean, just now we have a four game losing streak to those guys. Four game. Just losing Northwestern. <laughs> but we're digressing. Here's my uh, favorite slash least favorite game of the year. And we're, Talking about stupid Northwestern here. Uh, do you guys check out the Nebraska message boards at all ever? Do you do you come across Nebraska fans living in, in eastern Iowa? I try not to. On the You know, the, the, the paradox, and I think this was on Reddit, people were talking about how just amazingly nice they are if you go to their stadium. Like, you can't, if you're wearing the opposing colors, like, you can't walk past a tailgate without a full tummy of whatever they're cooking and a beer. They're just super nice and friendly, even apologetic when they win. And I'm like, what a contrast compared to the Northwestern fan or the Nebraska fans on the internet, you know? Uh, that does hold true. I, I don't know if it's that it's way like out in the parking lot, but certainly in the stadium, they 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 really do try to be the the nicest people in the world. But it's phony though. It's freaking phony <laughs> bullshit. It's like Minnesota <laughs> you know, nice. If you're gonna be a little, you know, if you're gonna be that delusional self-important fan base don't play this bullshit oh we're the nicest fans in the world here's a beer yeah no own it at least ohio state fans know they're boorish jagaloons same with wisconsin <laughs> yeah i respect that hit so much more i respect nothing about nebraska <laughs> including their phony bullshit niceness come on i'll tell you the thing that i don't respect about nebraska at all is that bs uh, sellout streak that they pimp up since you know 1962. They've sold out every game. Every game, the corners of their stadium look like every other stadium you see, and completely empty. They have all the corporations in Nebraska buy up the unsold tickets, you know, for five bucks a piece or something, so they can technically say, "Yeah, we sold the game out." But it's such a lie and such a petty thing to even brag about. I don't know. I don't know why that's upsetting me so much, but having watched a lot of their games this year, they bring it up every week, and it's right up there with trickle-down economics. It's one of the biggest lies ever told, and and I'm putting my foot down. You've heard it here. I'm a native Nebraskan, and it's BS. 
I I don't doubt you for a moment, and I I know that you remember Michigan. I mean, they they tried to keep up the ruse as long as they could during the Brady Hoke era, and they were like. What was it? There was like a thing where if you went to a grocery store and bought like a 12-pack of Pepsi, there were two Michigan tickets, <laughs> you know, inside. So I, I agree with you, Bill, and I don't understand why you would brag about the, you know, the, the fact that people still come out to watch the garbage football you're putting on the field. <laughs> um, but, uh, um, and, and you know, I mean, it's not something that Iowa, I mean, they've had a... a Iowa, you know, Kinnick's getting smaller with all these re- renovations and box seats and, you know, skyboxes and whatever, and, and, and yet we're struggling to sell out. And even when, uh, you know, with when Indy was still on the line a couple weeks ago, um, you know, the student section was empty. Now, it was, it was 22 degrees outside, but uh, uh, but still, I mean, it's not it's not a pretense that Iowa, I think, tries to keep up, where it's weird that these other schools do. It rubs me the wrong way, and and you know, since I, I I have a feeling some of my Nebraska fan friends and family will be listening to this one, I just want that out there that you know, <laughs> stop it. Just stop. Well, it. it's all part of the like, it's part of the big delusion, though. That's what it is. It's like, and it's almost sad in a way that you know, it's all they have left to hold on to, right? So they have to they have to make up this stuff about you know, ooh, black shirts and the art. We have the best walk-ons and. We have the nicest fans and we have the longest sellout streak. And it's like, no, you're just another pretty good football team. That's not been that good lately. I mean, you're not what you were just live with it. I mean, they're like the, you know, 60 year old washed up actress that keeps getting worse and worse plastic surgery. And is like, no, I'm 38. Really? (laughs) Just give it up. Why can't I get any more good roles? It's I'm going to fire my agent again. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, but to be fair, Tori, I mean, look, and sorry, Bill, but what else are you going to do out there? I mean, you got Omaha, I mean, which is great if you're in the insurance gig. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, I mean, it's part of the culture of Nebraska. I get it. But, uh, for a lot of folks, especially once you get outside of the Omaha proper, uh, I don't know. There's not really, it's devoid of culture unless you can kind of point to something with Nebraska. And I, I, for me, I just, I, I keep coming back to this, you know, they were probably a good addition to the Big Ten as well as Penn State, but Maryland and Rutgers were just horrible, horrible decisions. I mean, it was just purely a TV play, and, uh, and I think it's going to come back to bite Delaney in the ass. I mean, other oh. than them being terrible at sports and morally bankrupt, why, why do you have a problem with it? I don't know. You know, it's the bad at sports and then the killing of your players. I think that <laughs> yeah, would yeah, be your two strikes. Upon some areas. Yeah. But hey, New York and D.C. TV markets. So we made, we made New York City care about college football, Tori. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's all they talk about there is Rutgers. <laughs> oh, guys. Oh, gosh. Yeah. We're not yeah, going. no, I'm... I'm... I'm with you. It, don't get my sister started, oddly, of all people, on <laughs> Nebraska being in the Big Ten. She has myriad reasons why they don't belong, among them being their academics being oh, bad. Um, we, we lowered the bar, and then when they tripped over it, we painted a stripe on the ground. I mean, <laughs> they, they are just they are horrible. I mean, they cannot compare. Look, uh, Iowa is a good school. Um, you know, I think that, you know, obviously when you talk about the big 10, you look at Northwestern and Michigan probably is one and one a right. Um, 
in terms of private and public. And I think that you know Wisconsin, Wisconsin and, and Illinois, Illinois are, are good schools as well. And I think then your you know your next tier is your Iowa, Ohio State, Penn State, you know Minnesota, Indiana, Indiana right? But Northwestern is just, uh, or I'm sorry, Nebraska is just like bringing up the rear. You know, it's uh, can we just start calling them the other NU? The other NU. The less good NU. What did you call? I, who who is it on your lesser new Facebook? Called them Corn Cob Community College. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, in the state of Nebraska, people refer to it as UNL, University of Nebraska Lincoln. As I, opposed I don't to know why UN Platteville. I mean, <laughs> well, there's UNK uh, Carney. You can't get drunk without UNK, and then there's UNO Nebraska at Omaha. So there are three. Okay. And then yeah. that's the one they count too, right? To try and become, uh, to to say that they're academically on par with the rest of the Big Ten. They say, well, if you count UNO with UNO. And the medical school is there too, right? At UNO? It's the University of Nebraska Med Center, which is where my son was born. They did an okay job there, so I'll give them their credit. They're propers. Okay, but they don't have a football team. That's all I'm saying. No, they run by <laughs> Iowa grads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're way off course here. We could just bash Nebraska all day, but let's, uh, should, maybe should we just take one more look back and pivot to talk about the Gnome because the drama is heating up for the Gnome of Knowledge. And this week's winner is of course, Tori, who actually saw a win, saw a pretty comfortable win too, right? Yeah. I, I felt you guys were a little over, you guys overreacted, not not in your level of being upset because I was upset too, but I think you overreacted in terms of how bad you thought Iowa was despite how, you know, because of how poorly they played against Northwestern. But I think it, it blinded you to how just insanely terrible Illinois was. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) Tori, I I really want to do an instant replay on, on last week, just because I said that I wanted to pick Iowa to lose but if I did, then all of a sudden Noah Fant would reappear and Iowa would win by 50. And you said, do it then. And that's why I did it. So you kind of talked me into my pick, which, you know, I'm going <laughs> to well, give yeah. you your propers and, and, and you Wait, obviously no. won. Bill, you're welcome. Bill, you said Hawkeye that Iowa was going to win by 50. So I think Tori's point about you being unnecessarily pessimistic stands because he won by 60. <laughs> okay. Exactly. <laughs> See? Yeah, underplaying them exactly. Well, yeah, and I had uh, and and Bill and I had actually Illinois winning in a squeaker because I bought into it. I bought into this. You know, um, they had the what the eighth best run defense in the country, and it was running offense that was good. Their running defense was trash. And what was it I, that I bought into then? Something there was there were some pretty good statistics that they had that we just just completely well i watched their game against nebraska last week not to start piling on nebraska again (laughs) but they rang up 35 points on the the vaunted black shirts so you know i i I guess i assume that they would give us more of a fight at this point i'm i'm gonna call them the black tank tops until they uh or the black crop tops until they show us that they uh actually can fill those out black skirts the black skirts that's misogynistic well the little black cocktail dress, you know, something classy that you can wear to an after-work function. <laughs> or a hog roast. Or I, I think Husker fans are the least woke people in the world, so <laughs> you know, we can they can take it. If they ever figure out how to subscribe to podcasts, we're going to hear it from them, okay? So, 
<laughs> All right. Well, uh, but but so that where makes do Tori stand now. Well, hang on. So we got Tori. He's got the gnome. So that's three wins for Tori. Three wins for wow. Bill. Four wins for me. And there was that one week that we didn't pick because we were all too lazy and doing stuff and doing our job. So this is a big week. week, in other words. So, so what happens in the event of a three-way tie? Well, no, you can't, it can't be a three-way tie. Essentially, the best that can happen is one of you sorry losers could possibly tie me. Oh. If I pick wrong and one of you win, one of you guys wins, or, or both of you guys wins, I guess that. Well, we've never had a tie in a given week, though. I, uh, you know, we well, then okay, then it's got to be the bold. If you and I tie, or if you and Bill tie, mm-hmm. then let's uh, just have the two people that are tied pick the bowl game, like a runoff, and that'll be the tiebreaker. It'll I can, be like the championship. Game. I can I can dig that. Does anybody want to go it. back and retroactively pick the Minnesota game? That was the one we skipped. Although, yeah, it's going to be kind of easy to pick games. <laughs> so, all right. So before I can give my prediction, I need to get on Google. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. Uh. Well. So then, let's I, see. So Tori, you went first. So who do you want to go first uh, this week, as far as the pick well, against Nebraska? Before we go there, and speaking of our general laziness at times, you have. Listeners have probably noticed we, uh, once again, do not have a guest this week. But I want it to be known that this time it was not for lack of trying. No. We reached out and talked to several folks. Some it was just were, lack you know, of I'm results. Not, <laughs> I'm not going to use names, um, but it was just a weird litany of, you know, uh, weird work stuff and travel and then uh, a couple deaths in the family and illness on another one. So it was just, it just wasn't in the cards well, this week, but and, it wasn't for lack of effort. I will say that, you know, that there there is this interesting phenomenon both with our guests and our listeners which is early on in the season everybody can't wait to talk to us <laughs> and hear what we have to say but by this time i mean we're at black friday and everybody's kind of like yeah those guys are still yapping over there so um it's like the more we talk the less people want to hear <laughs> it's it's more is less that's our that's our slogan here um you know the more you hear the less you want so uh yeah but it's okay um everybody's busy and it's a short week and we wanted to do a turnaround of course we don't want to be we don't want poor bill editing this in between uh bites of turkey so we wanted That's to make true. sure that we had everybody could get this out and get it into their ear uh ear holes um before uh wednesday maybe That's if right. you're because look wednesday come on uh maybe my job isn't the same as a lot of jobs it's not typical but you're going to have like some music or a podcast on in the background because nobody's going to be in the office right right so right so so my pick i it, because it's nebraska week and this is the week of angst and concern for bill let's leave him on tenter hooks just a little longer okay. i'm going to have you go first jim all right and then i'm going to pick and, and we'll get bill all riled up and, and nervousy like he already is well this is nebraska's bowl game and they're talking a lot of shit um, they're what sitting at four wins. So a bowl game is off the table. And the only thing they could possibly salvage out of this season is to kind of, you know, take a dump on Iowa's, uh, rough season, uh, um, at the end, maybe knock us down to the music city bowl or whatever. Uh, but, uh, and, and to do it on senior day, you know, steal a page out of Purdue's playbook. But, uh, but I just, I don't see it happening. Um, and I keep replaying that scene in my head where their place kicker tried to kick. I don't know if he's trying to kick an onside kick, but it actually went backwards on a place kick. I've never <laughs> seen that before. Um, and I keep thinking of like plays like that, and particularly when you compare them against their the common opponents. And I know you're not supposed to do that, but when 
you know. Um, but when they gave up 35 to Illinois and, and Illinois didn't even sniff midfield against us, I just I don't see this as a game. Um, that said, I don't think it's quite as gaudy as last week. Um, it's supposed to be kind of warm, I think, like 48, 50. So, um, I'm seeing high of 43 and rain. I don't, I don't know how... Well, the rain they said is coming late afternoon, and the game is at eleven o'clock kick. So I, I feel like the rain will be on the drive home. So um, okay, but let's and you, but you're right; it probably won't reach the high temperature until later. So let's call it forty and gonna rain. <laughs> so, um, but I'll give it. Uh, so I'll just go ahead and give that to Iowa. I'll say Iowa forty-two, Nebraska. Uh, 17 um with my pick to click being uh, our soon to be Mackie award winner and hopefully sticking around for his junior year uh tj hawkinson and that i'll just point out that's probably like the sixth time this year i picked hawkinson yeah really going on the limb there jim yeah and it's crazy so uh um okay that's my pick 42 17 Wow, that is some uh, high quality optimism there, Jim. Yeah, I, I uh, so I'll my take pick, it. my pick. I I think that Nebraska is improved. I think they're gaining some confidence. But let's keep in mind, it's a little bit of fool's gold too, because the four teams they've beaten, you know, are not good teams. I mean, they beat a pretty bad Minnesota team. They beat Illinois, but not exactly what you would call you know, uh, with a lot of aplomb, um, you know, they gave up 35 points and they beat Bethune Cookman. Their entire reason for resistance is to give people something to look at while their marching band plays. Right. And then they also beat, uh, Michigan state's junior varsity squad. Uh, Michigan state was down there starting quarterback, their starting running back and their best receiver. So, you know, and they beat them nine to six. Uh, so I think they're going to be in for a little bit of a rude awakening playing Iowa. I think the, the, the back half of their schedule got soft and yeah, they improved enough to take advantage of a couple crappy teams. Um, but I think they're going to find a pretty motivated Iowa team. I'm going to go 38 to 17 and, uh, my pick to click is Makai Sargent. I think he's going to go over a hundred yards again because I don't think Nebraska can stop anybody on the ground. Oh, I I really hope all that comes to pass. Um, I'm going to go uh, the same formula that I used for the Illinois game, which was, uh, you know, watch me pick Illinois to win, and then all of a sudden Iowa scores 50-plus. Wait. Wait a minute. Uh, where, where are you going with this, Bill? You're going to pick Nebraska? It's their bowl game. Scott Frost has to leave Husker fans with a good taste in their oh. mouth until next September. Eric Shenander is a former Hawkeye defensive coordinator, played with Brian Ferentz. I don't remember him. I don't know. He must suck. All the teams that run <laughs> rough shot on Nebraska are out of spread. We're going to go old school, out of the eye. You know, Our running game isn't that great. We only average, I think, 19 points a game at home as opposed to 42 on the road. I just... I, I can't believe that Iowa can generate that much offensive fireworks. And I don't think that we can win a close one. So I'm going to say Nebraska 17, Iowa 10. Blasphemy. Bill, 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 you're just getting yourself freaked out. I'm freaked out. I live with these people. 
24-7, I got Husker nonsense coming out of my ears. Uh, okay, so it, ears. in Bill's defense, I mean, I, I, I get like this with Iowa State. Um, but in my defense, Iowa State actually doesn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, here's the, here's the number, though. The, the, it, except for the Michigan State game where we just noted they had literally none of their actual offense, the least amount of points that they've given up in any other game was 24 versus Troy. They gave up 33 to Colorado, 56 to Michigan, 42 to Purdue, 41 to Wisconsin, 34 to Northwestern, 28 to Minnesota, Oh, I, oh, I'm sorry. They, gave, they only gave up nine to Bethune-Cookman. So you're putting <laughs> Iowa on the level of Bethune-Cookman and Michigan <laughs> State without any of its offense. Come on, man. I'd say we at this, least at least put up what Purdue put up. Is this Stanley, you know, at Illinois, or is this Stanley at Penn State or at home against Maryland? You know, I, I just don't know. Stanley excels is. against shitty defenses. He's yeah. playing a shitty defense. This, Northwestern I mean, had a shitty you're, defense. You're making it too much out of rocket. That, Northwestern has not had a shitty defense all year long. They have not. They were they starting had, three backups in their secondary. Okay, they were banged up, but they weren't shitty. Their line was doing well. I think that's what key is that the difference between playing the last three games and playing Illinois is that we just bulldoze them at the line of scrimmage. So I guess the question is, are we going to be able to do that with Nebraska? My, my answer, my, my gut says yes, but not right out of the gate. It's going to take a couple of quarters. Yeah, it'll take a while. I mean, remember, first uh, offensive drive against Illinois was an a interception by Stanley. So, yeah, we're going, to get our, we're going to be nervous, and then we're going to wonder why we were nervous. Well, I hope that that happens. And, you know... ESPN.com gives Iowa an 87.3% chance of winning. I'm just going back to the Hayden Fry saying that the longer you keep a streak going, the harder it is to, to maintain it. And we've won three in a row now, uh, four out of the last five. And I think Big Red is is, is pretty mad about that. And, and they want to go into the offseason with a win over Little so Brother did, did Hayden Did Hayden actually say that? Yes, he did. Wait, that's did him he's... being a sly old fox again. That's, because yeah, how many games. they won like... 18 in a row against Iowa State. They won like 16 in a row against Wisconsin. They had some ridiculous winning streak against Northwestern. And Iowa State. See, you're ta- that's Fry's reverse psychology. This, this is, this it's actually is the opposite. Exactly. That's what Tori always reminds me is that Hayden Fry was a Marine first and a psychologist second. So don't let him get into your well, head, Bill. But I did preface my pick by saying that I was going with uh, the, the strategy that I used against Illinois. So... You, know, I, you just I'm don't want the gnome at this point, do you? You can't say that out loud anyway, Bill. You, that's not how reverse psychology works. <laughs> no, I am Tori, going to do reverse psychology That's reverse, now. reverse, reverse psychology. <laughs> we're, we're through the looking See, glass. he's doing a 360 on you, man. <laughs> oh, I hate the old 360. <laughs> the old 360. <laughs> So, uh, well, I mean, it could be. It will be interesting to see. I think that uh, actually uh, Bill just doesn't want that gnome living in his house anymore. It's bringing him bad luck. And <laughs> his cat, you know, threw up on it and he hates it. And so he just wants to mail it to one of us. Um, but we're getting a new gnome, right? I, apparently. What is it? Like your uncle said it's an antique and he bought it at an auction. But I saw six of them over at the Black and Gold store at North Park. So I don't know what I you're talking know. about. I don't know. It's... We've had it at my house for 10 years. I don't know. It's Why not an heirloom is what I'm saying. Okay. It is who, a little who, tchotchke. Who won, last, 
won the Gnome last year? Bill. Me. Yeah, so you have to buy the new one. Yeah. Because the winner buys the new one. I didn't agree to that at all. <laughs> you don't you don't get to agree. All right, fine, we'll vote on it. All in favor of the winner of the previous year buying the new gnome, say aye. 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 Nay. You know, this is that, that <laughs> quote that democracy is a bunch of wolves and this a is, sheep voting on what to have for dinner. This is the tyranny of the intelligent majority. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Bill. It's just the the people yes. have spoken. You have to buy a new gnome. So cough up that three dollars and eighty seven cents. We could put a Twitter poll out. I think I I will say, Bill. In in to be completely honest, it's probably cheaper to buy a new one for the winner than to ship that one. <laughs> probably. <laughs> uh, but gosh darn it, it's my gnome and I'm keeping it. Because um, you know I can't yeah. put it up in the house, right? Because then my wife will have to go get a cyclone gnome, and then I'll have to put them next to each other, like they, like they hate, don't hate each other or something. You don't have you don't have a room that's all to yourself in the basement that you can I, do whatever you want. With? I, no, I do, I do, and the deal is for every piece of Hawkeye memorabilia that goes up, an equally sized piece of cyclone memorabilia goes up. So Tori will be Ugh. my guest. It's totally sterile. There's nothing up there. I mean, I, I would renegotiate that deal. Yeah. <laughs> you need to. You need. You to, made a bad deal. You need to assert your patriarchy and white privilege, Jim. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Tori, you've been spending way too much time in Iowa City. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's having the reverse effect on me. I, I'm becoming like more, you know. I don't know. <laughs> I'll just right. leave it at that. I say. I will say that my. Uh, uh, my wife uh, didn't even care about football until you started giving her shit for being an Iowa State fan back in the late 90s. So thanks for that. You created okay, a I monster. I didn't give her shit about being an Iowa State fan, let's be clear. I just for being an tried Iowa State to alum. educate her on why she was an idiot for being an Iowa State fan. I was trying to help her. It's just common damn courtesy well, for your life being the fan of a crap-ass team like that. It's not well, good for your mental health. You know. I think her, her and her school have helped us appreciate what it's like to go about 500 with that team ever since. <laughs> uh, well, but you know, it is what it is, and now we are getting to the end of the uh, end of the podcast, end of the season. I keep hearing Holiday Bowl. If we go, and I don't want to count the chickens here, but uh, are you going to go, Tori, Bill, San Diego? I don't think I can swing it, but I, I wish I could. You know, God, I, I went to so many Florida Bowls. Yeah, I'm on the fence. I mean, I kind of want to go, but then I just don't know about getting time off work and all that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I could probably be talking. You work it. for an Iowa City newspaper. You can't, like, spin this like you have to be there to cover this massive cultural touchstone event. I, I might have to try that. Yeah. Just make the appearance. Well, for I, I, sake. I... I sit in the back of the bus on enough long haul flights and sleep on enough airport benches to know that uh you know these these frequent flyer miles are just burning a hole in my pocket so what's the point of having them if not for stuff like this right san diego would I be do have my hole. fun money account for writing my wonderful column for tom Kakert too so as long you're, as Tom keeps the money coming. Well, you're going to enrich yourself, is what you're saying? You're going to da- dip into your enrichment fund? <laughs> <laughs> the podcast enrichment fund. You can always cover some of those hosting bills. I won't complain. Uh, all right, guys. Well, look, this time uh, next 
week. Let's hope we have a, uh, or later this week, actually, let's hope we have a belly full of turkey um, and, uh, you know, a pallet with burning with some maple and fireball and uh, celebrating a, another hey, epic beatdown. Before, beat before we sign off, Jim, before yeah. we sign off, I think we should all sign off with Bill's tagline this week. Just there we for go. Good luck. All right. I love it. And I will say that I'm, I will gladly trade the Gnome uh, this year for an Iowa win. And really quickly, just looking at the uh, latest line, it opened at Iowa by 7. It's now Iowa by 10. Could could the universe really be coming together to smile on me? I don't know. But we can end it. Hey, Iowa was a 10-point uh, favorite over Northwestern. <laughs> yeah, and like 7 over Purdue. So it's working out. Bill, why don't you lead us out? Beat Nebraska. Beat Nebraska. Beat Nebraska. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good Thanksgiving.